Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. It's not just a Friday, it's Friday before the Super Bowl. Biggest game of the year happening in just what, 48 hours? I'm so excited for it. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Good Bumpus sight. today. What are you most excited for with Sunday? The game or all the food you're about to order? Because for me, it might be the latter. Ooh, definitely the food for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, this is a great matchup, though, of, of the Chiefs and 49ers. The 49ers have been probably the best team from start to finish in the NFL. The Chiefs, obviously the most popular team in the league in terms of uh, just, you know, quarterback talent. Uh, but that food, Stacy. Let me tell you what. This I- is the greatest. Maybe I. I'm going to say it. This is the greatest food day on the calendar. I think here's what makes um, the Super Bowl better than Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a day where the spread is great. You've got rolls. You've got stuffing or dressing, whatever. You've got potatoes. You've got turkey, which is a very boring bird, but whatever. We're dressing it up with gravy. And the entire goal is to eat all day and watch football all day. And you have three games. However, counterpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. The food selection on Super Bowl Sunday yeah, is whatever, whatever you, want. you want it to be. Yeah. You want mac and cheese? You want pizza? You want you want Chinese takeout? You Do want it. Thai food? You want Indian food? You want sushi? Get it Go all. Right Honestly, get it all. And then top it off with wings and barbecue sauce and hot sauce and whatever else you're putting on. You can drink whatever you want, do whatever you want. There's only one game, but it's the best game. Yes. Like it's that and then you got the commercials. It's truly it should be a holiday. It should be a federal holiday. I'll say it right now. Which is why that we should have the day off right after the, exactly. the, day, the next day after the Super Bowl. Dan Patrick had that take of uh, the Super Bowl should be on a Saturday. I don't know of anybody that would say, oh, I think it's fine where it's at. No. I like Let it. Let us have the day off. Yeah, I, I like <laughs> the, it. The next day. I'm not I'm not mad at a Sunday. It's still very Super Bowl-y, uh-huh. but I want Monday to be a national holiday. Kind of like the day after Christmas Boxing or the day, day if Thanksgiving's on like a, it's you know, like that, that, like it's the floating holiday where, uh-huh. you know, where we all just, I mean, we'd probably work anyways. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fortunately <laughs> for us. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, I, I'm so excited. And uh, we are going to talk about who has the most on the line this Sunday. Coming up in a couple minutes before we get to it, we got to have some reaction to the NFL awards from NFL honors last night. Congratulations, Lamar Jackson, a near unanimous choice as NFL MVP. Curtis, I think he was most deserving of this award. He yes. did not lead the league in uh, passing touchdowns and yards and quarterback rating, but it didn't matter because he was the best player on the best team this year. He was, and I think it's hilarious that he has the season that he has, an MVP type season. Following the offseason where so many teams were like, I don't want this guy. Yeah. I don't want to trade, you know, two first round picks for this guy. There's something about him. And then he goes and wins his second MVP, a near unanimous choice. If he had won unanimously last night, he would have become the first two time unanimous MVP. I believe Tom Brady's the only other uh, person in NFL history to win this award unanimously. So congrats to Lamar Jackson on a fantastic season. Obviously playoffs success has not uh, really been his thing so far in his career. He's still what only 26 years old. So he's got his entire career ahead of him. I thought it was interesting that Josh Allen got the only other vote. Uh, I was looking that was at a the, contrarian. Yeah, that was, was an iconic. That was like, I'm going to yeah. stand out amongst my peers. Exactly. That was someone being like, Oh really? I know ball. Yeah. You, you plebes don't ball knower. Yeah. Okay. Like, 
yeah, Lamar Jackson, I don't think anybody had any issue with him being the MVP. No, and uh, we also had for a second consecutive year offensive and defensive rookie of the year from the same team. Last year, obviously, it was from the Jets with Sauce Gardner uh, and uh, Wilson. No, yeah, yeah, yeah Garrett yeah, Wilson. Yeah, Garrett Wilson. Uh, and this year it was C.J. Stroud over Puka Nakua as offensive rookie and Will Anderson as defensive rookie. So congratulations to the Texans. Two great picks there, number two, number three. Mm-hmm. Solid seasons. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I think... Puka Nakua did amazing things in any year where CJ Stroud uh, does not blow everyone out of the water. He gets it. But a quarterback doing what he did. Yeah, it's going to win every time. Yes. And especially not just a quarterback, but a quarterback of the Houston Texans, a franchise that has been uh, left in the dirt for so long. They have been so poorly ran. Uh, It was a less than ideal situation for Stroud to step into a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, They go and trade for the number three overall pick two and Will Anderson. So it put a lot of pressure on this season for the Texans to deliver because they don't have their original first round pick going into this upcoming draft. So it was kind of like, wow, this team finished with the number two overall pick heading into 2023. They go and sacrifice more of their future to jump up to number three. And that put a ton of pressure and Stroud delivered time and time again. Puka Nakua was an amazing diamond in the rough. Like one of the new gr- league record. Yeah, for rookies and, and one of the great draft steals in, in recent NFL history. But his impact on the Rams, I don't think matched the impact that Stroud had on the Texans. And so that's why I don't have an issue at all with Stroud being the offensive rookie of the year, simply because the Texans and for, forever have been terrible. And that's a fair point. And unfortunately, that's the nature of the position. Like a phenomenal wide receiver, no matter how great he is, cannot impact his team in the same way as can a phenomenal quarterback, like by virtue of the position. And, you know, hey. CJ Stroud had that working in his favor and he lived up to it. So amazing work mm-hmm. for him. Uh, two of the most controversial awards of the night. Uh, I'll start with the first, which was the most surprising of the two. That being comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco <laughs> winning over the previously almost uh, deceased. Formerly on the field, dead. Formerly dead. DeMar, DeMar Hamlin. Hamlin. I thought DeMar Hamlin. I was like, no one's beating DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin literally came back from essentially being dead. And I don't care if he barely touched the field. He did. He suited up. He was mm. on special teams. But he's he's obviously going to win Comeback Player of the Year. Oh, my God, what a miraculous recovery. I, I'm going to remember that moment watching that game, just like watching the field yes. forever. I will forever. I still remember I was hanging a photo in my living room, and I remember that because of how jarring that moment was. That being said, I'm not mad at Joe Flacco. <laughs> I'm not mad at Joe Flacco winning. This guy came off his couch at – 47 years old and had a series of really amazing games for the Browns. I'm okay with this award. I saw somebody on Twitter say that uh, coming back and and leading the jet or leading the Browns to the playoffs uh, is more impressive than coming back from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I don't have an issue with Joe Flacco winning comeback player of the year. Uh, DeMar Hamlin an, a fantastic story of perseverance of, of, of overcoming uh, all that, uh, all the recovery that he had to do from his uh, cardiac event that he had on the field last year uh, to be able to come back and play in any game uh, is remarkable. I think Joe Flacco is a deserving winner of comeback player of the year. Not to say that like DeMar Hamlin, if he had won, wouldn't have been deserving. Uh, but he is deserving. Yeah, he yeah. is. I just think you're picking from two pretty good cases here uh Joe Flacco 
having the bigger impact on his team. Yeah, that's exactly. You're looking at, it's like you wish you could give two awards, which I know people are shaking their head going, not everyone gets a trophy, but this you do. participation for two, trophy yeah, culture. Right, for two very different reasons. <laughs> DeMar Hamlin being able to come back, to stick to doing what he loves, to stick with his team, to be able to even play again mm-hmm. is miraculous. Joe Flacco coming off the couch to help lead his team to the playoffs. And not only that, but like have really amazing. I think he had like three or four games in a row of over 300 yards passing. I mean, mm-hmm. no one expected that. No. Absolutely nobody. They were on their fourth quarterback with Cleveland. So for what he did on the field as a quarterback, he's deserving. It's just two very different cases with two very deserving uh, nominees. I was shocked it wasn't Damar Hamlin. I was fully expecting it to be Hamlin and he, and he deserved it. But I'm okay with it being Joe. Yeah, and that was probably DeMar Hamlin's only shot at winning comeback player of the year. You don't know that, Curtis. Uh, the Browns cleaned up. <laughs> I hope up. he doesn't get – I hope he's not <laughs> up for true. it next year. That's true. Uh, the Browns cleaned up. They took home coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, defensive player of the year, and comeback player oh, of the gotta year. They got to be playing for the Super Bowl, right? Uh, well, no, they are no. not. Oh. However, coach of the year is the second surprise of the night. It's not shocking that Kevin Stefanski, who, again, brought his team to the playoffs while going through four different quarterbacks, won coach of the year. What was surprising, him and Demi. Ryan's finished with 165 points apiece. It came down so to Stefanski having co-coach of the year. Having one more first place nah, vote. You finish with the same number of votes. That means it's it, it's a tie. Like, what are we doing here? I get that Stefanski had a, a great season leading the Browns with all their quarterbacks. I believe five quarterbacks started a game for them in total and they won 11 games. Uh, but the point total says that it was a tie. That means D'Amico Ryans should have half of this award. I think so, too. They should have broken it up like in Mean Girls or something. Cut I, I it think, down the middle. Well, and how do you not – again, I know that it's um, it's it's silly to say, how do you not give it to D'Amico Ryans when they quite literally were tied and a good portion of voters wanted to give it to D'Amico Ryans? I, I see Stefanski's case. It is hard to make a playoff team out of a team with no quarterbacks who lost Nick Chubb early in the season. Oh, my God. Like, that's amazing work. How do you not keep that locker room from imploding? Or how do you keep that locker room from imploding? Um, but D'Amico Ryans turned a laughing stock into a double-digit win playoff team. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet also last night saying that Deshaun Watson playing so bad this season benefited Kevin Stefanski <laughs> Uh, Joe Flacco and Jim Schwartz to all win awards this year. Essentially, It's like this guy was so bad that these guys had to overcome that and were awarded with, you know, some real nice hardware last night. Now, here's the question. If Deshaun Watson plays exceptionally well next year. He's a nominee for Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, no, we're moving on. We're moving on. Who has most dirty. on the line this Sunday? The Chiefs taking on the 49ers. 49ers favored in this one, but it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. You were looking at the question of who's got the most on the line in terms of legacy. What did you settle on? I think Kyle Shanahan is the easy answer because if he loses another Super Bowl, uh, it would be his second as a head coach. He also was the offensive coordinator in the Falcons collapse against the Patriots. So this guy has had just the worst time trying to get over the hump in his career. Uh, I don't think any Seahawks fan is too broken up about that. Um, But I, I think Patrick Mahomes and what he could potentially do on Sunday when his third ring by the age of 28, which would be one year behind Tom Brady's pace, a pace that none of us thought would ever be able to uh, be caught. Mm Mm-hmm. Mahomes at 28 will have participated in four Super Bowls, potentially with three wins, 
Brady only had the three Super Bowls by the age 28 Which season. Which feels funny to say. Yeah. So he Mahomes, only had three. Exactly. So Mahomes will have had one more Super Bowl appearance by the time they turn 28. Both guys didn't play hardly at all in their rookie seasons, by mm-hmm. the way. So they're mm-hmm. kind of matching each other in terms of route taken uh, in their career. And I get that like Tom Brady's post uh, like age 34 numbers are ridiculous. He ended sure. up winning four more Super Bowls after that. But like you got to you, you can't win seven without winning the first three. Exactly. It's a really good point. And Patrick Mahomes, if he does this uh, with the supporting cast that he has around him this Sunday, probably the worst that he has had with the Chiefs. This would be his most impressive of the three. That, to me, is what's really sticking with me when it comes to a conversation about his legacy. I think that there are diehard Pats fans, and I know many of them, who will always defend Brady uh, to the end of time. And they're going to be able to come up with a million arguments because Brady lived through a million iterations of the Patriots and uh, Bucks teams. They're going to be able to say Brady did it with uh, with few weapons around him. Brady did it with uh, primarily a tight end. Brady did it with X, Y, and Z. The argument they've since been able to have against Mahomes is, well, Mahomes had Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. Well, right now, Mahomes is on an offense uh, that wasn't even top 10 in points per game, an offense where pass catchers were leading the league in drops, and an offense that's going to have probably at least one starting offensive lineman down on Sunday. When does that argument start to you know, look at those reasons and go, I don't know, I think they're just both exceptional. Yes, and... I kind of made the comparison in an interview that we're going to play here in 11 or, well, I don't know if it was in that interview, but I think I told you last night and I told bump, like it feels kind of like Mahomes is kind of the LeBron to Brady's Jordan in a way where like, you're going to be able to make a case. I think for Mahomes at the end of his career uh, to be on that level with Brady. Whereas like those of us who got to witness Tom Brady's entire career from start to finish, We'll probably have our mind made up already. And yeah. Like this guy went to ten Super Bowls. He won seven of them. It's going to be a long every age passing lines record. Is yeah. ultimately what it's going to be. Uh, I think it, that kind of debate is going to be a lot of fun in in years from now. And I mean, I'm saying this as though I've already crowned Patrick Mahomes as a Super Bowl champ again. Um, but I'm not. I'm not foolish enough to say he doesn't have a chance on Sunday. Now, can you make a case on the other side of things that it is not, in fact, Mahomes who has the most on the line, but Kyle Shanahan or someone on the 49ers? It's Shanahan. And then below him, I think, is Brock Purdy. Yeah. Because Brock Purdy could really silence a lot of doubters out there because so many people are kind of like, really, you think you could win a Super Bowl with this guy as your starting quarterback? And if they go out and do that, you can no longer say, oh, you could never win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. It, it It's interesting because you always automatically assume you need the superstar quarterback to win a Super Bowl, but we've seen it time and time again. Nick Foles jumps out, obviously, bear right. down. Jeff Hostetler is another guy that won a Super Bowl. Uh, Mark Rippon won one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a lot of random dudes out there that have quarterback Brad Johnson on the Bucks uh, in 2002. A lot of random dudes have won Super Bowls. Not to say that those guys weren't good quarterbacks or anything, because you have to play competently as a quarterback to get your team uh you know to a Super Bowl. Heck, even even Peyton Manning in his last year was what? really bad. No, I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. That uh, Super Bowl uh MVP was, was rightfully Von Miller yes. and Super Bowl was rightfully won by the defense. So I think Brock Purdy and the 49ers, if, if they do win a Super Bowl, uh it's gonna silence a lot of doubters for him. But I think Kyle Shanahan's doubters will will shut up the quickest because then you can finally 
stop saying that this guy's a choke artist. Washington's biggest night out in sports is coming up February 15th. That's next week. It's the 89th annual Sports Star of the Year Awards. Crowning our state's biggest stars and stories of 2023, K.J. Wright is playing host. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Very quick thing to say before the first mm-hmm. headline. I had a couple people. Now I opened the show, if you're just now joining us, by saying both you and I agreed, Curtis, uh, that um, Thanksgiving is a fantastic food ho- and football holiday, but the Super Bowl surpasses it. And I had two listeners, only two. Uh, disagree and say, no, no, no. Uh, the Thanksgiving food makes it a better holiday. Here's the deal, and here's what makes the Super Bowl a superior holiday. You know what you can eat this Sunday? Whatever you want. Turkey, stuffing, yeah, you mashed potatoes, that. gravy. Make a Thanksgiving dinner on Sunday. Bam. Wow. Easy. Solved. That's what makes Super Bowl so great. But if you bring so wings great. and pizza to a Thanksgiving feast. You're weird. Then yeah. you're weird. I mean, you can eat whatever you want on Thanksgiving, sure. sure. But like, this is exactly what makes the Super Bowl superior as a food football holiday. Go out and make some stuffing, make some gravy, potatoes. That's what I'm saying. Do it. Have a Thanksgiving feast on, Let on Sunday Super Bowl Sunday. Let Sunday be what you want it to be. No one is bringing stuffing to a thing, <laughs> to a Super Bowl party. Uh, you never what know. What kind actually, of sociopath would do that? Well, first of all, stuffing is the best dish on Thanksgiving. Okay, so, well, that's also wrong, but well, sure. What's the best dish, Matt? Mashed potatoes. Just mashed potatoes? Just mashed potatoes. Just mashed, Just mashed potatoes. Oh, well, that's a weird choice. I would like to point out, in addition to the two textures, me and Taylor both think you're nuts. It's Thanksgiving by a mile. Wow. Just, by a mile. It's not, but just read the first headline, Matt. I'm moving Ugh, on. Fine. <laughs> Former Ohio State offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien has been hired to be Boston College's next head coach. What's the real headline? Yeah, I don't think Seattle's OC job is Chip Kelly's top choice anymore. Doesn't look like that. Um, Doesn't look like that's the case anymore. Yeah, you pointed out uh, Kelly was the offensive coordinator at New Hampshire when Ryan Dave was their quarterback from 98 to 2001. They coached together on the New Hampshire staff in 2002. We also saw the other day a tweet saying that on a Cleveland-based radio station, they were saying um, that Chip Kelly would be the top choice for OC at Ohio State should Bill O'Brien be hired to Boston College, which we know that he was. So basically, if you're Chip Kelly, you don't want to be at UCLA. That much is clear. Do you go to Ohio State? Or do you go to the Seattle Seahawks? I think the pro job is probably most appealing to Chip Kelly, but I wonder if Chip Kelly is the Seahawks' top choice. The Seahawks may be uh, Chip Kelly's top choice, but I don't know if that's reciprocated in the Seahawks' uh, war room there. And Ohio State, I mean, yeah, it's the offensive coordinator job, but that's one of the premier college football programs in the country. You probably don't have as much responsibility as you mm-hmm. do as a head coach at UCLA. And I think Chip sees the writing on the wall. UCLA going to the Big Ten, their football program is already bad. It's not, it, it, it's just such an afterthought in the LA sports scene. And now you're going to a conference that is going to be much more competitive than the Pac 12 was prior to 2023. It's going to be tough sledding for UCLA. I think Chip wants out of Westwood in the worst way possible. Ohio State seems like a safety net that he could run to. Uh, I think Seattle is, is probably his top choice, but I don't know if that's reciprocated. I think Ohio State is something to keep an eye on for a lot of Seahawks fans. 
Headline rewrites. Will Anderson was voted Defensive Rookie of the Year last night, and Devon Weatherspoon finished fourth in voting. What's the real headline? Jalen Carter getting more votes than Spoon does nothing to end that conversation. <sighs> We're going to have that talk forever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, those guys are going to be linked for the entirety of their career. Now, for the record, I, and Curtis, I'm speaking for you, though, I think I can hear both of us think Witherspoon was an exceptional pick and is an ex- exceptional player. Yes, I think that Devin Witherspoon has a fantastic career ahead of him. Uh, a very nice building block for the Seahawks team. Probably a future all-pro selection uh, one day. Like, having that kind of you know, play from a top five pick. That's exactly what you're looking for when you're picking that high. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're going to talk about this coming up in about 10 minutes, but uh, let's go ahead and get to what's next. Headline rewrites. Christian McCaffrey and Nick Bosa are reportedly not happy after the fire alarm went off at the 49ers hotel at six in the morning. What's the real headline? Now, to be fair, is anyone happy when you wake up before your alarm? The answer is no. A- apparently, this was just minutes before. It was like seven minutes before the team was supposed to wake Yeah, up. so I mean, it's not like at two in the morning and they're waking up at seven and they're livid. But let me tell you one of the worst feelings. Well, first of all, waking up naturally by sunlight and then realizing you're probably late for work. But secondly, waking up and looking at your alarm and thinking it's going to be 3 a.m. and you've got hours to go back to sleep and realizing you cannot go back to sleep because your, your alarm alarm's is about off to go four off. Minutes. Yeah, so now you're just getting up. Now you're just up. It happens often in our house. So Blair still sleeps in our room in her like pack and play crib. Uh, and oftentimes she will wake up at like 555 mm-hmm. and my alarm set for 6 a.m. So you're like, well, it's like, well, why? There you go. Yeah, I guess I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> my day has started five minutes earlier before I need to uh, really be up. So do you look I forward to the day when um, both of your daughters are old enough uh, when you can uh, lord stuff over them and you can be like, Hey, um, can I get that extra ice cream? And they're like, no. And you're like, that's funny. I seem to remember uh, changing your diapers yeah. oh, for, for two years. 1,000%. You know? we, are, uh, we are racking up a tab yeah. as, as we speak. That's My mom does that to me and my sister now. In. Yeah, exactly. We're, uh, can you guys go move that table? Uh, do we have to? That's funny. I seem to remember giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Football Friday powered by the Snoqualmie Casino Sportsbook. You're listening to Bump and Stacey Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus. Devin Witherspoon was a great draft pick for the Seahawks, but was he the right one? That's next. Bump and Stacey. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. I want to be very clear at the start of the segment about something. Very, very clear. This is not a conversation about whether Devin Witherspoon is a great Seahawk, is a great pick, or is a great player. Devin Witherspoon was the best player on Seattle's defense. Yes. And that was the defense with Bobby Wagner, with Quandre Diggs. Boye Mafe. Boye Mafe. Chenna Nwosu for Nwosu. Oh, God. Man, that really was a huge loss. That tanked the season. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. Uh, Devin Witherspoon was phenomenal. He was a bright spot of the season. He has a bright future. I am so excited to see what he can be in a Mike McDonald defense. Mm -hmm. Okay taking that off the table because that's not the conversation we're having. The conversation we're having instead is whether or not that pick was the right one for Seattle. And I think a lot of people, maybe including myself, still say yes. Um, But it is hard not to look at the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year awards and look at the winner, Will Anderson, and the next two vote-getters after him as defensive linemen. Top three 
uh, vote getters, defensive linemen, and not wonder whether or not Seattle should have addressed that. Yeah. Will Anderson was not ever in play for the Seahawks unless they wanted to trade him. Right. Which, seeing the haul that Houston had to give up for that number three pick, I don't think that was ever in play for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Jalen Carter could have been had by the Seahawks at pick number five. Kobe Turner, who was a late-round pick by the Rams, could have been had by the Seahawks. Now, Kobe Turner's a little older. I think he's like 24 years old. So I don't necessarily think he would have been in play at five, you know, knowing what we know now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think but he the, still should have gone with her. There is there. a trend, like you pointed out, Stacy. the top three picks all being defensive linemen. And as we all know, that is the most important group on your defense is figuring out the trenches, which is something that the Seahawks have tried to do in the past but have largely struggled to do uh, outside of the drafting of like Frank Clark all those years ago and maybe Boye Mafe last year who turned into something pretty good this year. They've swung and missed a lot in terms of trying to figure out the defensive line. Um, So I wonder if that was maybe a reason why they went cornerback at pick number five, but seeing the importance of, of defensive line play, like, that's got to be something Mike McDonald emphasizes from day one. I would hope so. And really, in uh, 13, 14 years of drafting uh, for John and Pete, I don't think they've drafted a Pro Bowl defensive lineman. They've had no. Pro Bowl defensive linemen that they signed as free agents mm-hmm. or uh, traded for or what have you. I don't think they've drafted uh, a first-team All-Pro uh, or a Pro Bowl defensive lineman that I can think of. If someone wants to correct me, feel free. Um, so maybe this conversation instead becomes this. If Devin Witherspoon was the right pick at number five for Seattle, with Will Anderson obviously being out of play, was Jackson Smith and Jigba the right pick hmm. at 20? Now, Brady Henderson of ESPN.com, who regularly is on the station, uh, he was involved in a redraft of the 2023 first round, and instead of taking Jackson Smith and Jigba at pick number 20, as the Seahawks did, he had them taking Kobe Turner, the guy who finished right ahead of Devin Witherspoon in defensive rookie of the year voting. Turner, a defensive tackle for the L.A. Rams, who finished uh, with, I think, about eight or nine sa- nine sacks. He led yeah. all rookies in sacks this season uh, and also in run stop, run stop win rate, too. So Turner had a phenomenal rookie season. Were his numbers helped out by playing right next to Aaron Donald? Maybe. But that's some really solid production out of a rookie. I the Jackson Smith and Jigba pick is going to be interesting because you would hope in the next year or two he takes a leap to where he's probably targeted more than say Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that Tyler Lockett is a bad receiver or anything, but you're investing a lot into Jackson Smith and Jigba here, uh, who is I, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. But it's interesting how the Seahawks last year, knowing what we knew about the needs that they had on the defensive line, chose to go cornerback and wide receiver, two guys who play the furthest away from the line. Yeah, and and again, John Schneider prior to the season spoke with Wyman and Bob on what was then the John Schneider show and explained that their change in philosophy was taking the best player available. So clearly Seattle felt that Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20 and Devin Witherspoon at number five were the highest graded players on their boards. I absolutely believe that about Devin Witherspoon. Uh, And I think that they were probably most intrigued by Jackson. I'm sure they, by 20, you have some other players that you're tempted by, um, but you ultimately take what you feel is best for you. I prefer that philosophy to drafting by need and overdrafting when you don't need guys. John Schneider never came out and said a name because Mm. 
you know, he's a bit classier than that. But <laughs> I think we can all guess that it's someone like LJ Collier is top of mind. You needed defensive line help. You would never normally have taken him uh, with a first-round pick, but you know there's going to be a run on D-lineman. You know you're not going to have a pick for a while, so you take him. Well, now you have a guy who's really a second-rounder, maybe even a late second-rounder, on your team with first-round expectations. So Seattle threw that thought process away, and they came out with really good draft classes last year and this year. Yeah, you want to see those guys bounce back and build even more on that, but I'm, I'm happy with the return that they've had for two classes. I still have a lot of question marks about the defensive line. So I think it's this natural instinct to turn to pick number five mm-hmm. um, or even pick number 20 and go, God, should you have gone defensive lineman there? You knew you needed it. Yeah. Um, and all we can do now is look ahead and go, okay, well, do you go defensive line at 16? Do you, you know, like, what do you do? Do you, do you bring in a free agent? Like we know that the biggest need for this team on either side of the ball is in the trenches. And how much do you think the lack of immediate production from Derek Hall uh, kind of influences this conversation too, because I think yeah. Hall was taken because the Seahawks felt very highly about him, but they thought, you know, uh, we'll have another shot at getting a guy on the defensive line if we pass on Jalen Carter, if we pass on, you know, other guys that were taken prior to uh, pick number 20, mm-hmm. and then guys at pick number 22. So I, the Seahawks, it's interesting, Stacey, because. I think we can all unequivocally say that 2022 and 2023 draft classes were the best that we've seen here in Seattle in a long time. Yeah, I mean, 2015 was the only one with a return. Right, but it also speaks to, I think, how empty the cupboard was in terms of overall roster talent. Uh, Because even though the 2022 and 2023 draft classes uh, had great talent in them that the Seahawks were able to add to their roster – it didn't get you anything more than a nine and eight record, and it didn't get you anything more than a wild card berth, which was which is what happened in twenty twenty two. I think the Seahawks still need to have a, an amazing draft mm-hmm. in order to get back to yeah consistent playoff contention. Uh, from the two hundred six, give JSN a break. He was recovering from a broken hand early in the season. Uh, no one is saying that JSN isn't a great player. And when you look ahead, you also know that Tyler Lockett's getting a little bit older. That his contract is weighing on your uh, cap space, and that eventually you will need to move on. Um, now that's not going to be this year, but there is reason to take not just a corner at five, but a wide receiver. Even though you had two very talented receivers on your roster, Jackson Smith and Jigba is also really talented and and really took off by the end of the season. The question isn't whether Devin and Jackson are talented or whether or not they made your team better. Both did. The question is, well, how do you get your defensive line help? You know, could you have gotten Mm -hmm. it last year? Can you get it this year? Uh, Why haven't you been getting it from draft classes? That's what this conversation's about. Right. And there's always the question now. We've seen Mel Kuyper and Field Yates talk about it a lot uh, on their show on ESPN sort of the lead up to the draft of like, you know, do the Seahawks go quarterback or do they address bigger needs? I still don't see a good reason to take a quarterback at 16 unless it is or in the first round, unless you're taking one of the like Caleb Williams, Drake may uh, Jaden Daniels group outside of that at pick 16, none of those quarterbacks really uh, strike me as franchise changing game changing quarterbacks yet. Uh, you know, we all know what Michael Penix's arm strength it can be. Uh, you've got JJ McCarthy, who's a, the biggest wild card amongst the the quarterback class, and then Bo Nix, who's uh, you know an older guy for his draft class. None of those guys 
or, or to the level of, of Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels, in my opinion. So I'm looking at what the Seahawks need to do at pick 16 this mm-hmm. season. I think first off, you got to decide on Geno Smith, and I think the right decision would be to keep him for this upcoming season. And then after that, I think you've got to address the trenches in some way, whether it be O-line or D-line, and not just – not just any old person on those on those spots, but like interior. Mm-hmm. Not just you know another edge guy that you have you know drafted in the second round for like four out of your last five draft classes. But I'm talking a guy in the middle that can plug some gaps and, and really you know open things up for everybody else. Uh, from the two five three, can we stop saying the trenches is the biggest need? They're deep on the D line. Ray Roberts said the O line is fine. Plus McDonald doesn't need superstars. Um, the last two individually are true. Ray Roberts actually likes a lot of the pieces on the offensive line. Ray Roberts knows more than I do about offensive line play. Uh, and McDonald uh, did a lot with guys who were, um, you know, in down years, a little bit older, maybe not superstars with Baltimore. However, um, I don't know how you look at Seattle's, specifically the front seven, and say that they are on par with the league's best. Mm-hmm. And, and why should why should that preclude you from adding talent to your defensive line? Yeah, this guy did more with less, but okay. What if he had more to work with? He could have done even more. Yeah, I again, it's every single time we've had experts on the show. Every single time I've talked to people off air who know football well or who were even connected with different teams, all of them have pointed to. The defense, particularly the front seven. I mean, you don't even have an inside linebacker rostered. So, like, <laughs> that seems to be an issue. Yeah, I know that that's not the defensive line, but you've got some work to do there. And you have a lot of pieces that are promising, but you want to keep adding to that. And no, it, you know, to your point, it doesn't have to be a superstar. You don't need to, you know, go add the highest priced defensive lineman in free agency or trade up and take the best defensive lineman in the draft. But you do need to keep adding, and you do need to find a way to get either a nice rotation or some performers in there. Once again, you had a season where no defensive lineman, no defensive player had double-digit sacks, right? Am I messing that up? I think Boyamafe had nine and a half. That's right. So 2018. 2018, Jaron Reed and Frank Clark were still the last Seahawks defensive players to have double-digit sacks. Just, again, I don't know how you can say that the defensive line or defense – can't use some help there and look at the lack of pro bowlers and double digit sack seasons that you've had. That's just, that's not how you build a Super Bowl team. It's not. All right. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl team, we're taking a look at the Super Bowl this Sunday. Send in your boldest takes for the game. It's Bold Take Friday. Get those takes, those predictions into the Mac and Jack's text line 866 979 3776. That's next. It's time for Bold Take. Friday. It is bold. Take Friday. Get your boldest, baddest predictions into the Mac and Jack's text line 866-979-3776. We're talking Super Bowl 58 Chiefs Niners. I'm going to get us started with this one from the 206 bold take. Uh, Taylor and the Chiefs 28, Niners 16. 49ers are favored in this one. I could go bolder than that, though. Yeah. Maybe this listener wants to make, like, hey, I the mean, Chiefs win and also Taylor rushes the field. I got to put it out to the people. This is the final Bull Take Friday of the season. The season. This is like, it. You cannot be wimpy Don't in be your meek. takes. Yeah. Don't this be is not, shy. It's not a meek take Friday, yeah. folks. As I always say, at any kind of. Um, you know, um, a pet peeve of mine that doesn't deserve to be a pet peeve, but mm. is it's when meekness. you make a big spread and people oh. are shy about dishing up. 
Yeah. I'm always like, like just, what? Just go up and eat. Slap it up on so your plate. Shy? Yeah. Yeah. Like I cooked for a crowd. I yeah. didn't cook for like one or two people here. Um, let's see. Uh okay. Uh, let's go with da 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 bold prediction. A Chiefs wide receiver will win MVP. That's what oh. I'm talking about on a bold take Friday. That is exceptionally bold. The Chiefs pass catchers have led the league in drops. They have they have been so poor this season that it would only be fitting for one of them to just go off and have the performance of a lifetime in the Super Bowl. I'd love to see it. I think how the Seahawks receivers were talked about in the Legion of Boom area era when they were called pedestrian is how the Chiefs receivers actually are. Like they are not any group that I would really concern myself with. But Patrick Mahomes, for whatever reason, is still able to throw these guys open. Uh, and they still got Travis Kelsey too catching passes, and he's been phenomenal in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I would love to see a chief receiver, I'd say most likely Rashi Rice, having Aww, a big day. I would love to see that as a rookie, yeah. too. It's just a very cool story. Get your bold takes into the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. I hope this isn't the case. I really hope it isn't. But Joe and Bellevue, KC will win. 13-6 with the Ooh. Chiefs defense scoring the lone touchdown. I hate it. I mean, that's bold. It's yeah. bold, but I hate it so much. Do you remember the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl from a few years ago? It was 13-3. Yes. to 3. Yeah, I was Unwatchable. at a Super Bowl party for it, and it was truly awful. It was. I believe that was the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. It was one of the least fun times I've had watching it. Right. It was, no team could get their offense going. I think... What was it? Julian Edelman maybe had the only touchdown in that game. It was it was bad. Uh, Let's see. Bold take. Someone gets ejected from the game. Oh, Michael Bennett. Yeah, you get a a classic. Just kind of a last second ejection from the game. Uh, Bold take from the 206. And then we'll get to yours, Curtis. Bold take. Brock Purdy will throw for not two, three. Or four touchdowns, but five. Wow. Niner gang, bing, bing, bang. Now that is, <laughs> we have to honor Bump yeah. on his day off, but uh, that is a bold prediction. Mr. Irrelevant. Five from touchdowns five from Brock touchdowns. Purdy. That would that's tie. That's Super Bowl MVP. Yes, it is. Absolutely. That's, oh, 1,000%. It's not even close. I believe that would tie Steve Young's record for most touchdowns thrown in a Super Bowl with five, or unless Young had six, I forget uh, how many he had against the Chargers all those years ago, but yeah, Brock Purdy would absolutely go home with Super Bowl MVP with a five touchdown performance. Like that would be one of the greatest performances of all time in Super Bowl history. Uh Stacy, for my bold take, I'm gonna go with I have the Chiefs winning. I said that they were gonna win yesterday, 31-23. Like, sure. But how they get that win, here's how it here's how it happens. Okay. So, I mean, you're obviously expecting Patrick Mahomes to play the entirety of the game, sure. But at one point, we're going to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire throw for a touchdown oh! at the goal line. <laughs> not even their starting Pacheco. running back. Not even, yeah, not even Isaiah Pacheco. The backup running back, Clyde oh Edwards-Hilaire, throwing for a touchdown. That's so You reckless. heard it here first, folks. Why not Christian McCaffrey throwing for a touchdown and running for a touchdown and catching a touchdown? I mean, we've... That's a more fun bold take. Find, yeah, find a new slant, Christian McCaffrey. We've seen you <laughs> yeah, do that exactly. before. Just so boring. Would anybody expect Clyde, Clyde <laughs> Edwards-Hilaire to have a, a factor in this Absolutely game? Absolutely not. You know, uh, a great uh, quarterback RB, Derrick Henry. 
Yeah. I think he's got like four or five touchdowns yeah. in his career. All right. Uh, we'll go back. Let's see how much time. We have a couple minutes here. Back to the Mac and Jack's text line. Uh, bold take. Chiefs win. Travis Kelsey MVP. And he proposes to Taylor as he accepts the award. Now, I would just want to tell you guys right now, I don't want to be on the record for saying this. I think Travis and Taylor are endgame. I do not mm. think he's going to propose at the Super Bowl. Yeah, that doesn't. that's not their style. I think they're really private. I think so, too. Like She is. Maybe. Yes. I don't know. I don't see either one of them getting photographed at a restaurant or anything like that. Uh, you know, you don't see the paparazzi hounding them outside of their houses. So I, I think they are both very private people. A Super Bowl proposal would go entirely against that. Now, if it happens, would I watch it over and over and over yes. again? Absolutely. Uh-huh. It'd be one of the craziest moments yep. uh, in Super Bowl history. But I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Like, Travis seems to be obviously the more like in front of the camera right now of the two of them. I would just in general not want that kind of a public proposal. Like if my boyfriend proposed to me at a baseball game, I would be like, Uh, let's not. Let's. That's a little cringe. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No offense to anyone who's done it. Like if that's right for you guys, that's fantastic. It's just. I don't know that that's a Travis Taylor kind of move. No. And but maybe I'll stand correct. I mean, they've still also only been dating for like six months. Like, that's a quick courtship before engagement. Uh, let me get to, let's see, one more. Bold take, Kadarius. Tony catches every pass thrown at him. 10 for 10, 118, three touchdowns. Boy, that's that, a crazy day. I think the boldest part of that is him catching every pass thrown his way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what if it's like Kadarius Tony catches three of 10, 118 yards. Yeah, there we go. More, that's more like it. <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk more about the Super Bowl along with the hire of Mike McDonald and some insight on Jamal Adams from NFL Network's Mark Ross. He joins us next.